Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meet Athlete Radio. All right. Hey, everyone. Matt Fraser here. I'm back with my friend Sid Garza-Hillman for part two of our epic podcast about eating healthily and eating simply. Uh, Sid, lots of good stuff in the last one about... You know, basically overcoming the big myths to, about that people have around eating healthily. Um, this time, I want to get into a little bit more of the the nuts and bolts day to day, the kind of stuff that we do, like what go through what a typical day looks like for us. And I've kind of done podcasts about this before, but I'm I'm uh, eager to share your typical day with people because when I first when we started doing this meal planning product together, and uh, I asked you to put together a sort of you know the really streamlined version of the plan. Uh, for people who really don't have a lot of time at all, I, I saw it and I was like, we can't possibly actually, like, this is a joke, right? We can't actually put this in our plan um, just because it, the the way that, that you eat was so, I don't know. <laughs> and it's funny, like, it's it's one that is not, given that I've done, like, the fruitarian thing for a month or two and don't do that now, but but – appreciate that there are a lot of people who do that and and you know a lot of people who, who appear to be very healthy especially by comparison to to the rest of the culture um so it's not like it's not like the way you eat was was shockingly off to me it was just the fact that you, you might put this forth in a meal plan um i'm actually really glad that that we we found a place for it uh called our extreme minimalist plan uh, so I'm, I'm interested to, to talk about that First of all, I want to read a letter just to lighten things up a little bit because we have been going to some serious content. This I was when you came to visit over the summer. We, you know, we've gotten to become pretty good friends, and I mean, so would you say this, Sid? Yeah, totally, Matt. Okay, I mean, it's not just me, right? And then you, okay? <laughs> no, no, Matt, no, no, you're great. <laughs> okay, uh, so we we looked up this uh, the first time we ever got in touch, and it was the email. It's from Sydney Garza Hillman. So in my Gmail, it just says it's from Sydney. And it says, hi there. My book was released a few weeks ago, and I'd love to send you a copy for consideration, interview, review, etc. It's a philosophy of health book, see review, and current veg news like that, little authority builder that is fun, super accessible, and broad in scope, advocating a plant-based diet, but also incorporating movement, social, etc. You didn't mention the grounding part in there, the part that you think you need to go stand outside barefoot so that you can get the electrical... I didn't want to Pulse freak you out. <laughs> right. But once I got the book, then then you didn't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also the programs director at the Mendocino Center for Living Well at the Stanford Inn Eco Resort in Northern California, a vegan resort. I look forward to, forward to hearing from you. And if if you'd like to hear more, a little typo there from Sid, about my wow. approach and Ouch. style, please listen to me on the recent Rich Roll podcast. Kind regards, Sid. I like the, like the dropping of Veg News and, and the Ritual podcast on there. That was pretty crafty. You have to tell your listeners that that was March, and my my book was released in January. So I was three. So do you have, can I tell a little bit of backstory on that? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so so Rich Ritual blurbed the back of my book, and it's because the publicist the publicist who was working my book for the publisher knew Rich, and so he got. I mean, Rich is like amazing because I was nobody knew nothing. Nobody knew me at all at all. Like now, right? Just like now, except for, for your your listeners apparently. But anyway, and so so he this guy emails me and he goes, "Hey, this guy Rich Roll is going to blurb your book." And I said, "Oh, that's super cool. I, I'll get his book." I didn't know who who Rich was either, and so I got the book and everything. And so I went down to L.A. to do a book event, and and before I left, the publicist 
call again, emailed and said he wants you on his podcast. Well, this is the absolute truth. I didn't really even know what a podcast was. I'm not even kidding. And my book had already been out for a couple months. Well, I go on Rich's podcast, I think in February, and we're chatting and it's a really good interview and I had a really good time doing it. It was in his garage. I had no idea at the time that that would be the launch of, of my career, essentially. More people, and because of you now too, but at the beginning – really heard of me through the through Rich's podcast. It was like episode twenty something. Like it was he was just starting. Anyway, we were off mic. We had finished the interview and he said we were talking about his book and I said, Oh, so um they've been really good about getting you out there and he goes, No, not at all. And he tells me a story about how he figured they were gonna send him an itinerary, all these book events, et cetera, et cetera. And he ended up having to do a lot of that himself and contact bloggers and all this kind of, and as I'm listening to this, I start to have, have like an anxiety attack because I've done nothing at that point, nothing. My book had been out for three months. I hadn't, or two months, I hadn't done anything. And so I got home, driving home and I called my wife and I was like, I have a lot of work to do. And so I, that's when I got home and I scoured the internet and that's how I found you. It was, I was like looking at blogs and, and all the, I just started emailing people going, you know, kind of panicking, like I did not do due diligence on this. So that's kind of how that happened. So you started I basically spam people, but I figured, you know, no meat athlete, he's got to have something, you know? And so he's not, he's not the more meat. I tried the more meat athlete too. That guy was so not into my book. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll try Matt and sure enough. Yeah. You know, I, I make fun of it now, but actually it was the fact that, it, that cause, I mean, cause I knew Rich back then, uh, the fact that you had mentioned him at the end and I'm surprised you didn't put that as the first line of the thing, uh, that, that's made me like get back to you. Cause I, I, that came at a time when I, for some reason I had like six books right then to read that from similar things where I had agreed to get the books. And I think I ended up putting your book in a, like a review post with five others. Um, but I remember, yeah, I, I looked you up on the ritual podcast and, and to me, I said, Hey, that he must, uh, must be something good if he was on there. And yeah, that was it. So that's, that's, uh, it's a little bit yeah, of history. That's, that's for where everyone. it started. Cool. Is Rich going to get mad at us for saying that he said his publisher? I doubt it. We book? can edit it out. Leap. No, he's 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 talked about. It. I mean, he likes them, but he just was like, "You have to." I think he was making a statement about the general uh, landscape of publishing that it. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Is that it's, every author exactly, has that exact same story? Exactly, and it's just a publisher. false thing to believe that somebody's going to do that for you because they're not. You know, and it's just what I mean. Jeff and Joan just put out a cookbook, and you know, we're having to do a lot of that stuff ourselves just to get get that going. It's what it is. All right, good. Good stuff. Fun blast from the past. Um, what we want to do now, today, this this segment of our long podcast episode, is just kind of go into what our daily diets are. Uh, I have given mine, so I'm going to let you go first, Sid, and then I will, I will you know, mention how my typical diet differs from yours, which isn't drastically. I would say I typically eat lunch instead of <laughs> what you do. Um, otherwise, very, very similar. Um and I don't just throw a million things into a bowl and mix it up and call that dinner. That's that's uh, another Sid Garza. Yeah, story. okay. So <laughs> The bowl of sadness, so, I like to call it. So yeah, just me crying over a big wooden salad bowl at, at <laughs> night. Um, I'll, start, I'll start this. I just got to provide two seconds of context. I talk about this all the time in my practice and on my podcast, what I call the MOTT, M-O-T-T. It's the most of the time. I want your listeners to be very clear that what I'm going to talk about is only my most of the time. It's definitely 100% not all my time, all the time. Um, usually weekends, it's a completely different ball game. The point I want to make is my diet fits to my lifestyle. It's a less of, of a nutritional reality and more of a, this is how it, like you eat lunch, but you have a job 
and I, I used air quotes there for your listeners, you have a job that, yeah, that affords you time to eat lunch. I don't really have that at the end. That's just not the way that that's crafted. It's not like Jeff said, you can't take a lunch break, but I just, I, I, I show up and I do, I go throughout the day and I jam home and it's just, it's kind of the way that I've crafted. I don't really want to stop for lunch. I'd rather just get all the work done and get home as soon as I can. Cause I'm, of course I'm doing my videos and my podcast too. So it's a lot. And my kids, and kids, exactly. So it's like, a, it's a, exactly. Oh, and family, it, you know, them when I see that, you know, and, uh, and, and sort of it's, 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 that's why it fits the way that I do. So I just want to be clear, like, this is not a nutritional thing. Like people taking notes, like, okay, so that's what he does. Like, no, it fits the way that it works. Here's what I do. I get up in the morning. Apparently it only takes me seven minutes. I throw a bunch of fruit into a smoothie all the way to the top of the um, blender. I blend it up, make a smoothie, pour it out for the, for the family. I then go back to the blender. I fill it up again with whatever fruit, usually for me, mostly bananas, but berries, apples, whatever, all the way to the top, blend it, pour it into jars, put it in a bag, and I'm out the door. Take the kids to school, et cetera, et cetera. During the day, I drink those smoothies. It ends up to be about three liters, sometimes a little bit more of smoothie, and I just drink it all day. I go for a run before work. I drink the smoothie after. It's a great post-workout meal. I drink out throughout the day. I come home. Most nights, my wife and I both have what I call a big freaking salad, which is at least a head to a head and a half of lettuce just in my salad. And so, and then a bunch of veggies. Now, usually what we'll do is have, if we made pasta for the kids, we'll throw some of that pasta on top of the salad or we'll have a baked potato and a sweet potato on top of the big, big salad. Um, and so that's what I do at night. If I stay late at the inn, I have whatever the restaurant's serving the staff. I'll jump down and, and, and have that. There's always a salad involved in that too. But that's my most of the time. Weekends, I couldn't even tell you because it differs so much. We make different recipes. We go out to dinner. We have I have bagels for you know breakfast Sunday morning, like white flour bagels, you know, because it's one meal. I'm not going to sweat that stuff. But there was also you know tomatoes and onions and and capers and you know and and some good stuff too. So that's my most of the time. Okay, so I want to I want to ask you some questions about this that actually I haven't asked you yet, but I, I think, uh, you know, you, you've kind of defended this enough to me that I, I, I don't think it's a bad Thanks, idea man. at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, but I think it's what makes you interesting as, as a nutritionist that, you know, there aren't going to be too many nutritionists who, who are willing to, you know, streamline, simplify to that extent. Um, and I think the reason, if you ask even nutritionists, you know, you'd get things like, well, all that fruit, like literally you, you were eating the smoothie for, breakfast snacks and lunch i mean is everything you eat until yeah dinner, and, right? and again it's not timed so it's like i'm sitting i'm sitting at my desk right. yeah i'm sitting at it's my desk whenever. i feel a little hungry i crack open a smoothie i'll have a few sips of it half of it maybe i screw it somebody calls me goes i need you downstairs i put it on the lid i go run downstairs do something come back finish it later it's not timed yeah which is which is actually quite a natural way to eat i mean this, the idea of three meals that we must have this breakfast at this certain time and then we must have a lunch that is this other type of food no longer the sweet foods but now the savory and salty food i mean, I mean that that whole thing is just a made up thing and we there's a good podcast episode that we did with Ray Cronice uh who talks a lot about these ideas and he's kind of you know looks a lot at, at these food rituals and and really just questions them so i think i think to someone who has never considered that Sounds crazy, but but when you think you know how gorillas eat, granted they're not eating a smoothie, but they're probably just grabbing stuff when when they want, and then and then they've got to go downstairs and and do something at the end otherwise. But they're they're taking bites in between. Stuff, yeah, it's, I would it, again, it fits into. So, it, I I look at it always 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 in the context of lifestyle. This happens to work perfectly for me given my work schedule. It's that simple. 
We should have just made the whole plan about how to eat like gorillas. It's kind, it's it's kind of like that. And you know, the thing is, like, people go, "God, that's a lot of bananas." God, that's a lot of fruit. Well, okay, that's where I was going. Next. Yeah, I was asking okay. about food and sugar and and fructose and yeah. inflammation in the body and all exactly. the things so, that you so, hear. From so, a few things going on here. And I know that there's been some people, you know, talking about how smoothies are somehow going to. Well, I'm not overweight. I have a flat stomach, and I just, you know, I'm in better shape at 47 than I was at 27, and I don't have any asthma. So, which I had chronically up until I was 24 years old. Um, and so there's a couple things about this. It, yes, it looks like a lot of food because it's 10 or 15 bananas. And, you know, I, I know somebody like was freaked out about the showering thing in the last episode. It, 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 you know, the thing is, is like, I have to tell your listeners this one thing. It's been years in the making that I'm where I am at today. It's not, I didn't start doing this yesterday. And so I'm just going to jump on in. I constantly tweak and adjust given how my life is. Four years ago, I wasn't heading up the wellness center at the Stanford Inn. It was a completely different ball game. So it's, again, I want people to be fluid in the way that they craft their food so that it enhances their life, doesn't debilitate them. So it seems like a lot of food. Well, gorillas eat a ton of food in terms of bulk and weight. You don't want to know why? Because they don't eat anything concentrated. They don't have any oil, olive oil. They don't have any white sugar. They don't have anything that is like so high in calories for the space it takes up that they have to get all the calories they need from a, a what looks to be a massive amount of food. Well, that's why I eat 10 or 15 bananas. That's not even half the amount of calories I eat in a given day. And I'm not drinking it all at once. I'm not eating it all at once. If you make a smoothie of 10 bananas and guzzle it, that yes, that is a massive amount of calories to get all at one sitting, but I don't. I sip it throughout the day. If you ate 10 bananas, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get it down that fast either because, of course, you'd be eating the bananas you know, and it would take a little bit of time. So again, the sugar thing is what I like to say, nutty nut nut. We do, we, we, our bodies thrive on carbohydrate. That's what fuels our brain. We do extremely well, not bad carbohydrates, not white sugar, white flour, white rice, but healthy carbohydrates that come with fiber, that come with water. Well, that's fruit and that doesn't spike your your blood sugar. It's called the glycemic load, not glycemic index. That's old news, glycemic load. I, I don't get a spike because I'm not eating, again, I'm not eating a thousand calories of bananas in one in one quick shot. It's spread throughout the day. Okay, good. So that's, that's the first question. Um, the second thing I was going to address, and is actually because my first impression of this wasn't, wow, that's way too many calories, but because when you mentioned what dinner is, which is basically in, on many days your only other meal besides the smoothie, you say it it's, starts with a big giant salad, and you're maybe putting something on there, like you said a potato and a sweet potato, uh, maybe quinoa, I mean different stuff like that. You know, I think of that as, as um, a dinner that's not calorically dense at all. I mean, that, that's extremely not calorically dense of a dinner and I'm, I'm wondering now where where are you getting your energy and your calories but given that people are, are i guess i haven't actually seen the size of the smoothie that you're drinking throughout the day so maybe that's where it's coming from um given that people are saying well well isn't that a lot of calories and given that you just said there's 10 or 15 bananas in there um i think i think now i understand so, so most of the calories are coming from, from yeah it's probably like a, i mean i'm guessing probably in the 12 to 1500 calorie range when you when you actually add it up i mean i smash a lot of food in that blender um, I, I, when I have my salad, I have, I use cashew ranch dressing, which doesn't have any oil in it, but of course nuts and seeds are a little more calorically dense and they're still in what I call the heavy box range. They're still extremely healthy. I don't eat a ton of them, but that's how I make up the extra calories. And then of course the pasta or the quinoa, I always put, you know, I, I eat a lot of beans, not day to day, but I'll throw some beans on there. So that, that's how I get the extra calories is by, you know, quinoa. I don't put a spoonful. I probably put 
two cups of quinoa. Like it's a, it looks like a lot mm-hmm. of food, but like you said, calorically it's not that much. I'll make the other point that high protein, especially animal protein, takes a lot of your body's energy to process. It's called the thermogenic effect of food, and it takes a lot of your body's energy to process that food. Well, a high-carbohydrate high diet like I eat doesn't take as much energy out of my body to process, so I actually don't need to consume as many calories because I'm not spending as many calories getting the food processed. So it's just another bonus that I'm not looking to eat 3,000 calories in a given day because I'm doing just fine. I mean, if I needed to eat more, I'd eat more, but I don't, obviously, because I'm not, I'm not too thin. There, you know, that's for sure. And I'm running really well, and all the markers of health are kind of in place for me. There you go. I'm convinced. Good. And again, like, you know, I don't, I'm always sensitive because I think people think that's so weird. And that's so extreme. Well, here's why it's extreme. It's extreme in the context of how most people eat. Yes, it is extreme. In the context of us as a human animal, it's it's the least extreme thing you could almost come up with except for just you know eating bananas just whole, eating them like a gorilla eats them. It's not extreme at all. Eating simply is not extreme. It's just weird compared to what most people eat. But what most people eat in, in yeah. today's world, if you really think about it, is totally weird. When you get a Big Mac – from a, from a, you know what I mean sure. like that's yeah. really for our species and even the vegan it's, foods I mean Oreos that is it's really weird to, to have combined all those foods to make something that's like that. extreme for our species that's extreme even though most people eat those that stuff every day and don't think twice about it right right okay so I want to uh, I want to ask you what's in this specific smoothie that is that is fueling your entire day until dinner time before I do that though I do want to point out. Like we said, this whole episode isn't all about just selling our meal plan product, but on the off chance that someone could listen to Sid Garza-Hillman talk for 90 minutes and still actually want to join our meal plan program, I do want to let people know that um, this, although this thing made it into our into our program as one option, the as we called it, the extreme minimalist plan, um, you know, there's plenty of stuff that, that actually is somewhat more normal. And I mean, still, to someone who eats Big Macs and Oreos all day, it is going to seem totally weird. But I mean, you know, with traditional actual three meals a day and some snacks in between. So there is that stuff. I don't want people to get the sense that uh, this thing is entirely Sid Garza Hillman's crazy ass meal plan that has you sleeping on grounding sheets and then rebounding for your exercise. Nothing, nothing too crazy like that. But it is in there. I can't believe you still. Um, I can't believe you so, still so, just so, rebounding. I totally, I told, I totally oh, won I that just, argument when I did. When I, 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 I love, I yeah. love your habits. I mean, I, I agree with all the food stuff. I told, the rest I of it. Um, I made a really sound point about I'll the say. rebounding. I won't. Re- your listeners should go back and listen to that. I think I won that round. But anyway, but, but yeah. <laughs> so but one thing like I want to really just quickly want. mention. You know, again, we're not selling the plan here. Uh, but but that's a, such a minimal part of that plan. It's just for the for the small percentage of people that listen to you that are su- you know super busy and that don't have necessarily time to sit down for a meal. It's just one way to do that. It's but it's totally not going to fit for most people. Fine, but it fits for me. Yeah, no, I I think it's cool. I I like that it's there. Uh, I'm even tempted to try it myself because I I'm always seduced by uh, things that promise yeah, to save me time like that. I, I really that's do, my bag. I really do like that kind of stuff. All right, so what uh, what specifically are you putting in this smoothie? You don't put typically a bunch of nuts. in No, the I do never you? do. You know what the thing is? <laughs> I will tell you that the book that I read in 1992, when I read that book and I stopped doing dairy, I wasn't even vegan, but I stopped doing dairy and my asthma went away, and I've never had asthma since. That book was called Fit for Life, and that book by Harvey and Marilyn Diamond um, was so groundbreaking, and it wasn't a vegan book at all. It was a food-combining book, but what they talked about in that book was was starting your day off with fresh fruit. So 
I was already doing the non, I thought, well, I'll give up dairy, see if my asthma goes away. And it did. But the other thing I thought, well, well maybe I'll try the fruit in the morning thing, see, see what that's like. And they make a pretty compelling argument for starting the day off with a bunch of fruit and how much, how it doesn't take much energy. So you kind of have this leftover, what Brendan Brazier calls like a net gain calorie count because you're not spending, you know, you're getting more out of your food basically. So I did that and I was hooked like immediately. And I have been doing that most days since 1992. I'm not even kidding. So that's when you, your listeners should know this is, this kind of stuff is years in the making as it should be. Um, but what I did in the last three years basically was just sort of like, okay, well, what if I just kept going with fruit? Cause I feel so much energy and I feel so good. And I'm not bonking during the day. I'm kind of, I, I, I didn't have to drink as much coffee and I love coffee. So I'm not going to knock it out, but I, but I don't have to drink as much cause I'm not getting fatigued. And so what if I just kind of, what if I just kept going with it? And, and, and as I became a nutritionist, of course, I realized I have to eat enough because when you eat whole food, you can't, you have to eat a bigger bulk to get the same calories. So I just kind of tested the waters and maybe did it till noon, till one. And I just kept pushing it. I kept going, this is awesome. And so it just kind of, that's what happened. And so, yeah, it's only fruit. I didn't, I didn't do the nuts at all. I haven't needed it. And again, I have the cashews on my salad at night. And what about the, uh, the variety argument, variety in diet? Someone, I, I could see listening to this and thinking about the idea of eating uh, you know, something as extreme as this, or even something like, like what the rest of, you know, our plans are in the program, um, you know, that, that it's, I eat leftovers every single day for, from, from dinner, you know, my leftovers, assuming I've made enough or that the recipe made enough, that becomes breakfast or <laughs> that doesn't become breakfast. That becomes lunch. Um, every single day is a smoothie, usually the exact same smoothie. For me, it's, it's strawberries, a small handful of walnuts, bananas and water and sometimes some spinach leaves if I have them um you know the snacks are going to be the same for me typically they don't they don't change much what what do you think about the variety argument I mean variety seems to be all the rage everyone thinks they need more and more variety in their diet um but you know like and we put a variety plan in here but but neither of us thinks that you need to eat every even every week that that you need to be different eating different foods every single week I mean I think Sid you more than me eat roughly the same week of food during the week, uh, you know, each week, right? Rather than, and maybe change it up on the weekends, but you're mostly eating the same dinner every Monday and same dinner. That's every right. Tuesday, and, right. And I think I talked about this in, when I did your last episode in North Carolina, but there's two different ways to look at variety. One is a variety of meals and one is a variety of ingredients. And while I eat the same basically during Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, just cause I'm working, it's still a uh, it's a lot of different foods in those days. It's the same kind of meals, but it's made up of different things. I mean, it's like in my smoothie, usually there's five different, four to five different kinds of berries. There's apple, pear, and bananas. So there's like the seven things now. If you look at the standard American diet, there's actually very little variety in that diet. Of course, it's high in protein, so we kind of think, oh, it must be okay, but it's actually not a highly varied diet. I don't think we need a highly varied diet as a species. I think when you factor in the fact that we overplant our soil, um, and so there's sometimes we're growing food in less than nutritious soil, and especially we're robbing our soil of the bacteria and all these kinds of things, it's a bigger issue, of course. I think that maybe in the modern world, variety is a pretty good idea. I think that we've sort of like ship left the, left the harbor on eating local. We have to get food shipped into us, at least in some level. So getting it from different places has actually become an advantageous thing just in the way that we plant. But I don't think it's a necessity for our species. I don't think, I think we would be in the wild eating stuff that was physically around us and it wouldn't be a hugely varied diet, just like every other wild animal. Yeah. My take on it 
what I've kind of formed over the past few years has been that that animals who have survived they 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 are in an environment that 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 they've survived in right so because they are alive because their species is around today the environment that they're in and and its relative not variety of foods relative sameness of foods day in day out um is perfectly fit for them that bundle of foods fits their bodies their bodies have have evolved so that it does fit their fit them I think humans are the same way. And when you look at these blue zones areas, these areas where people, you know, they have a, a preponderance of people who have lived to be over 100 years old. Uh, that, that's kind of how they define the blue zones and how they started looking at, to these areas for, for insight. Really good book, by the way, The Blue Zones. Um, they, they eat relatively small, you know, relatively, um, you know, small bundle of foods. So in Okinawa, it's, it's sweet potatoes and like five other things that they're mostly eating. Uh, in I think it's Costa Rica. You know, they were talking about beans, corn in the form of, you know, these usually tortillas and squash. And like those three things made up most of their diet. It seems that that these these pockets people have, <laughs> not that their bodies have, have changed to fit that area so much, um, but, the, but the, that, that particular bundle of foods provides everything someone needs. So I think one of the reasons that we have this variety idea, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, is that when you just get a large variety of stuff, you're kind of making sure that you hit that you hit all the bases. Whereas if someone just randomly picks, I'm going to eat these four foods, and, and they are really, you're truly random, I mean, that that's not a good idea, right? You're probably not going to get the stuff you need there. So then when you start mixing in variety, you start getting in some of the things that might be missing from that particular basket. So I think if it's carefully thought out, the variety isn't necessary. If, if the stuff that you're eating is whole and fresh and it's lots of fruits and vegetables, even if they're not all that different from each other, you know, they're going to be providing a ton of stuff. And I think once once you're eating that way as opposed to standard American diet way, then I think the, the you know, the idea that we need a ton of variety uh, is sort of mistaken. Certainly some of it is a good thing to have, safeguards you against deficiencies and things like that. Um, and, and your point, I think if you're eating this way, if you're eating a whole food plant-based diet and you're eating, you know, a handful of fruits and vegetables – you you've already got a decent amount of variety in your diet compared to a yeah I, I couldn't diet. agree more. I'll make one last point, and I'll probably sound like a broken record a little bit to some of your listeners. But when you actually look at the blue zone, and I I did a I cited a book called How to Live to or the you know, I can't <laughs> I can't remember the title, but it was about cultures who live to you know hundred in their hundreds, the most longevity kinds of cultures around the blue zones. When you look at that, you also we, we tend to focus just on food, but you also have to look at lifestyle and overall stress. You have to you have to look at the, you know there's through lines in a lot of these cultures, tight social networks, time outside, time in nature, relatively low chronic stress. When you look at all those, it makes it even more important to consider the way that you do make these changes and that in, and to consider the entirety of your life so that you make changes in context of that. I could. If I had less stress in my life, I could probably eat a little worse, but I'm, I have a lot going on, and so I'm mindful to eat a little bit better than I would when I'm on vacation and a little more relaxed. That's just how I coach people. So it isn't just about food. It is about how stressed you are in eating your food. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, uh, and it's, it's what really I think was the motivation for us to make this meal plan system was this idea – that that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode that if you are eating healthily but you're doing it in a way that causes you stress then you are no longer eating healthily i think that's such an important point thanks for listening to part two of stress-free healthy eating with author and nutritionist sid garza hillman 
Look out for part three tomorrow, where we'll talk about how junk food hijacks your brain, our thoughts on oil, and small steps to incredible health. And if you'd like to learn more about our new meal plan program called Health Made Simple, which features five different plans, including Sid's wacky extreme minimalist plan we talked about in this episode, over 20 videos, and live Q&A calls with me and Sid, visit nomeatathlete.com slash health. It officially opens on Monday, but as a No Meat Athlete radio listener, you can grab your spot now at a 50% discount off the eventual price and get started with two special bonus interviews right away. This offer ends Thursday, April 21st, so don't wait. Visit nomeatathlete.com slash health today and take charge of your diet with less stress than you ever thought possible.